Hi everyone, Jamie here from Batball Podcast and this short segment I'm going to talk to you about is about your garage doors. Now, this sponsored segment is one of the new segments we're going to be doing so that you don't have to listen to it in video, it'll be at the start before the episode. And um, today we're going to be talking a little bit about your garage doors. Your garage doors are happy to sponsor the Batball Podcast. They supply, install and maintain all forms of domestic garage doors. And even better, they offer free quotation service and have a showroom available in Long Eaton. Perfect for all my people living in uh, Nottingham, living local. Uh, I will leave there. Uh, if you want to get in contact with them, you can either message me, Jay Martin, on Facebook and I'll give you theirs. Or you can call 0800 772 So you can call them on that 0800 772 So get in contact with your garage doors, guys. And uh, I'll speak to you very soon. Enjoy the episode. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Batball Podcast. Now, today we are here for episode 40. Uh, it is four, it's 40, 48. There we go. Uh, I, I, nearly, uh, I nearly forgot then. I didn't forget. Um, now, before I introduce my guest, um, I'd like to you know mention that if you are interested in the uh, service that my sponsor provides do you know contact them if you're interested using the number and email mentioned in the segment before so and just a one quick thing i'd like to point out before the episode starts i've, I've had a really sad notification today um, for anybody that's interested in uh, space or any of those you know or the apollo 11 mission which took us to the moon um michael collins died today at, uh, at the age of 90 he was the guy that was in orbit around the moon whilst the lander was uh, landing on the the lunar surface so uh yeah really sad really really sad news there um but i just thought i'd mention that and uh you know condolences to his family and whatnot absolutely yeah it's really really sad news but today we've we've got a really good episode i think it's going to be interesting we're going to be talking about politics we're going to be talking about privatization scottish independence you name it we're going to be talking about it so shuki welcome how are you doing i'm very well thank you jamie very good thank you Glad to hear it. So, well, first of all, welcome. Is this your first time doing podcasts? It is. It's my first foray into doing some podcast stuff. Always mm. wanted to get involved as well, but um, now I've got the opportunity. It's one of those things that I talk about. I said, yeah, I'm going to do it. I want to do it. I want to get involved, but never had the opportunity. So I appreciate you having me on as, as a guest. It's an absolute pleasure. And do you know what? And I think that it was always a case of if you're going to do a podcast, you, you've got to I don't know. It was more just the randomness of it. Um, you know, when I first started this, it was kind of like just making little voice notes, um, which I, I may release one day if you're all lucky enough. <laughs> um, they're pretty embarrassing. I might have to cut out some swearing as well from when I've gone wrong. But it's a it's a great thing to do. And obviously, you know, I hope you enjoy speaking with me today and um, and kind of talking about your uh, political op- opinions and also um what's going on at the moment in the world and um as you all know the the news has been dominated recently by uh, the stories of uh, boris johnson's flat renovation um and obviously there is now a public investigation a public inquiry um into you know how that's all working and uh, and and what the the story behind that payment of uh, was it two hundred thousand pound i can't remember how much it was um yeah, I think it was. It's quite. It was quite a large amount. Um, but I just wanted to ask you, relating to this issue, 
would you say that this government that we've currently got in uh, got in power is um, one of the most uh, corrupt governments that we've had in recent years? I think I don't think this government is special to any other government we've had. I just think what has happened is a lot of the news and a lot of what has happened has come to light. I think Dominic Cummins potentially is the leak to all of this, who's been leaking different bits of information. Um, but as my opinion, really, I think a lot of this has probably gone on behind closed doors, but I think we're now starting to see the light of what actually happens. Um, obviously, with it being being a Tory government and the majority they have, um, it's just a bit it's just a bit strange, really, um, the times that they're in. So you see what I mean? So obviously they've been voted in now during this difficult time, and I think the spotlight is on them more than ever. And I think that's probably the case because of the situation. Obviously, COVID and the coronavirus um, has put this to light. But to answer the question, really, I, I don't. I think there's probably been sleaze and scandals within politics, and that's happened over the years. But I think as the light of social media and the way information spread, I think it's just become more readily available for people to to see. So I don't think he's the only one, to be honest. Um, I think he plays a good pantomime villain, Boris does. Uh, with people who didn't vote him in. Um, I think it's quite easy to caricature and to make fun of. So I don't think it's anything relatively new. Well, I mean, what do you think? Do you think it's relatively new or? Um, <clears throat> well, you know, obviously my political opinions, I will voice. Um, and, and in terms of the corruption or, you know, the way that this government is working, I will mention that uh, one of the most corrupt governments I find um, was the Labour government led by Tony Blair that went yeah, absolutely. and you know, committed the... <laughs> the awful war crimes which murdered thousands of people and uh, and has destroyed a country and um and sadly now it is in you know quite bad hands um and a lot of the people in iraq now are still suffering to this day because of a um, a myth that i think they knew was a myth but do not go into the iraq war subject so obviously me and tim covered that a few episodes ago but in terms of the corruption of this government, I think the, the amount of money that has been given to friends, and it, this isn't like a, a rumour, this is given fact that some of the people that were given NHS PPE contracts, such as a pub landlord, um, were, were simply friends of the Conservatives. Now, to give billions of pounds to a, a pub landlord um, is a bit of an overpayment for a pint of beer now you you, you know you could go da- down to london and maybe it would cost <laughs> you quite a bit for a pint but you're not going to end up spending 1.2 billion pounds and giving them a ppe contract that's not what's going on there it's you know? not right and i think a lot of these politicians will line each other's pockets it's almost going back to the the old boy network of when they met at eton and all these um, top schools that they will line each other's pockets is that for the best interests of the com- of the country? I don't think so at all. Even when we come to that, when we looked at, do you remember when they did the um, the meal packages mm. um, for free school meals? Obviously, Marcus Rashford did, did a really great job to bring that to light, but some of those meals that people were getting, and what it was meant to be for the cost perspective, was absolutely horrific. And again, it was people giving contracts to people and not really think doing the, the research or the background behind it. And you're right. I don't think some of the contracts that we've given, are they the best people for the job? Absolutely not. Is it to do with them being friends with people in higher places? 
yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, even we're looking now with David Cameron and the lobbying he was doing, I mean, he's been cleared of not doing anything wrong, but again, it's still that connections into the government that is allowing businesses to take advantage of that and to make more money. So it is a, it is a crazy situation. Mm. And, and, and do you know what? And in fact, when it comes to giving over 30 billion pounds for a track and trace system that this is the one that particularly annoyed me and i know this this is not the first time that a huge amount of money has been given away like that i know for a fact it's been going on for years you know and uh, and i wish actually we would know the full story of how much has been given away to friends of the of each government no matter who's in charge um Mm -hmm. but to give away 30 billion um, to a uh, to to Serco was it um, for you know for a track and trace system that was well ridiculous you know you, you are giving away thirty billion pounds of of money f- which could have been used for a NHS track and trace system um, a proper one um, using resources that we already have which wouldn't have actually costed the full thirty billion. It wouldn't have cost the full 30 billion no way we already had most of the resources ready but the extra investment into the nhs could have provided um it would have made it easier for the nhs to deal with it alongside the stresses of at the point you know in december where we were having 2000 cases uh, 2000 deaths a day um you know so that 30 billion pounds could have gone to our nhs not just for a track and trace system but for extra investment more beds um, actually building the new hospitals that they promised and the 50,000 new nurses um, and, you know, staff that they also promised. And I think that, yeah. you know, and I think when we, I know we all, well, I say we all, I know there's a lot of disliking for Piers Morgan, but you do have to say the one thing that he did good was making those politicians, um, you know, well, good uh, interviewing the politicians and kind of making <laughs> them cough up, you know, and give out information. Um, Absolutely. Whether you like spot. him or not, he would always challenge the people in a way that would put them on the spot. And I think that's important from a, from a reporting perspective that you need to ask those difficult questions to make them swear. I mean, just going back to the track and trace system, I think that was just one of the worst systems possible to be honest and the amount of money we spent on that was was ludicrous when you looked at the success that career had when it comes to the track and trace and keeping the infection down that was like a really model example of how to do that because inevitably really i mean we would have to do something to keep the economy going and you can have your arguments for and against lockdown um obviously it has worked i'm not anti that but we need to get things people going but I'll just give you an example of that track and trace system. So my sister went to a, a restaurant and she received a text message three days later saying that she would been exposed to somebody who had coronavirus, ended up having coronavirus. But that text message was so delayed, you know, three days after the actual event, that the whole point of that, that she'd already been going out doing her business, that that has spread. And just the the actual system itself wasn't fit for purpose at all. And the amount of money spent, like you said, Jamie, I mean, what more could we have done with that money? Investing in the NHS, investing on where we actually needed it would have been so much better, so much, you know, the funds would have been used a lot more efficiently. And I just think it it was a real shame. I mean, I get why we tried to do it, but again, I don't think it was the the best team for the job. And then understanding that they were using a, 
Microsoft Excel, weren't they? And then mm. it only could do a certain amount of rows, so some of the data was missing and things like that. It's it just pulls apart the government's real argument of people who they've used because we know the Tories use their cronies to to fulfil contracts. Absolutely. Mm. And and you know what the fact that I think it's disrespectful, um, and I think that Serco should be they should be punished um, alongside the government um, because you know. The, the government gave the money they they willingly accepted it and ripped us off um, because at least if we were giving them 30 billion i would hope that they would at least give the absolute um you know 100 percent using the best software if not their own um and you know efficient software and actually being able to help people such as your sister um and from from that infection of your sisters there could have been you know thousands of less infections because it all stems from one person having it you know, one Absolutely. person can have it and they'll go on to infect, you know, one to two people or whatever the R8 was at the time of it, the infection. And those two people go on to infect. And, you know, it's massive. Look at how viruses multiply and when they spread it is absolutely crazy. Um, and I recommend, you, you know, people do research on this, because if you're thinking about going out when you've got symptoms or you think it's always oh, nothing, it's however much survival rate, just actually just do your research on it because it's really scary, really scary. It is. And like you said, you know, that one person can be that super spreader. I mean, remember when it first first happened and there was that gentleman who went on holiday abroad, I think it was to France. I think it was the first person to bring over to the UK. And I think he infected like 10, 15 people and he was in the paper as the super spreader. I remember that. But it's the power of that one person and what they can do. It's, it's, it's really not worth the risk. And for me, although the odds might be quite small, would you really want to put yourself and others at that small risk that potentially, you know, they could be fatal. And I know people who had family that, that have died and, you know, it is, it is a serious thing. And as much as I want it to go back to normal, you know, I'm so happy now that we can go out and have a drink, you know, go mm. to the pub, go to the restaurant, start seeing friends outside. I think it's important. And obviously, and I used to work in the pub game for a long time and that industry has really suffered, but we've got to be sensible about it. Yeah. Although we all want to have the best things, we want to go out, we want things to go back to normal. We just need to do it slowly. But that track and trace system could have been implemented so much better that we probably wouldn't be in a severe situation that we were put in and going into another lockdown. And I just think the mismanagement of the amount of money that was spent um, was a real shame. But at least we managed to, to talk, try and rectify. I mean, if we look at India, for example, they're really suffering at the moment with, mm. when it comes to coronavirus and um not having the funds and not having the equipment available um i think we i think they try to do the best but I, I i truly believe and correct me if i'm wrong jamie that no matter what government who was in charge at this time wouldn't have got it right i just don't think they would have i think it's easy to look in hindsight and go you could have done this you could have done that um it was a difficult you know premiership for boris anyway i think if anybody else was in power again they would have struggled so it's just a really strange time and a, you know a difficult time i mean no one else has really faced that mm. and you know i don't think this is a, qu a question where i can correct you because i don't think i don't know if there is a right or wrong as you say i think it's very difficult um and you know when it comes to labor um people might know from seeing me on facebook i'm I've, i'm all about you know a government that will help us regardless of who they are, if they're going to help us, then, let, then let's vote them in. Um, but for me, from the, the two parties that we have at the moment, I don't see them in the future 
actually being able to help us fully. You know, I don't actually see them being able to serve me and you um, because me and you aren't from Eton, uh, you know, Eton School. <laughs> me and you, uh, I mean, I, I know for a fact I've not got uh, millions in the account or, you know, <laughs> I'm not friends with Matt Hancock. So I'm probably not going to get any, you know, sort of benefits from them being in government. Um, and there is obviously this chat of 50,000 new nurses, which was a hit on Gogglebox because it was actually 19,000 were already there. So it's, you know, good old Boris and his friends know how to do maths. But (laughs) in terms of if a government, what different government would do better in this situation? I honestly couldn't tell you. I think that they would have handled it differently um, in Labour, possibly. Um, And I think that the, the way that they would have handled it differently is that I doubt that they would have given these contracts to their friends. Um, I highly doubt that, um, mainly because of the fact that Labour and, you know, maybe Labour isn't as socialist as it used to be, but Labour did create the NHS. And uh, if they were in this situation where they had given off all this money, I actually think that they would have been um, worsely uh, publicised by the media. I think they would have been in even worse position because they were the guys that created the NHS. And, you know, maybe maybe that's not true. Maybe people don't agree with that. But... In my opinion, I think if Labour were in this situation, they would have actually come off uh, worse in the media, um, given that they had, you know, siphoned off billions to friends of theirs. Um, Which kind of leads me on to my next question. What what are your thoughts on Jeremy Corbyn and also public ownership, you know, the various public ownership plans that he uh, wanted to bring in place if he were elected prime minister? So for me, I think Jeremy Corbyn appeared to a particular or um, certain set of demographics. So I think Jeremy Corbyn uh, was good, but when he was in charge of the Labour Party, obviously he divided opinion because he was a lot more left than than others in the party. Um, for me, Jeremy Corbyn, did I align with his political views? No, I didn't. I didn't at all. I do think he was a man of honour. I do think he, tr- he I do think truly believe he thought he was doing the best and his ideas were the best for the country mm. i just don't i just thought for myself they were kind of very archaic uh, archaic views and i think with the last general election jeremy Corbyn being in charge of the labor party really isolated some labor voters and people who probably didn't vote tories before would have moved over to that because of because of his leadership um but on the on that note i i think he probably would have done a better job than keir starmer i was quite disappointed with um, with how he's been, to be honest, as leader of the opposition. And obviously we saw that news article and that video when he got chucked out of that pub. That was <laughs> it, it, was, it was bad. I mean, from a, from a media perspective, that was terrible. But I think that although I saw an interview with the guy who owned the pub and some of his views were pretty off the wall, but his main point of he didn't challenge the Tories the best way. Kind of, I, I think I believe that. I, I thought I, I expected more from him. I thought Jeremy Corbyn probably would have done a better job with that. But going to the point of public ownership, I just think we're too far away from from that now. Um, I think having private owners does help with healthy competition. Um, and I don't think it's, it's the way forward, to be honest. However, the NHS needs to be protected. That should not be up for grabs at all. Mm. I think that's probably one of the best things we've ever done and when we look at other countries and we have 
you know, the NHS, I think it's something to be very, very proud of. And whatever we can do to protect that is massively important. So when we talk about giving contracts to private companies and privatising NHS, that is something that we shouldn't do. Um, even coming back to, going back to education as well, for me, I would love it if universities were free. I really would. I think it will never get to that place anymore because of the way it is. I mean, my mum works in education at Nottingham Uni and I think education should be accessed for all. And sometimes there is a barrier when it comes to cost and things like that. And I think if we want to be a forward country, getting the best out of our people, I think that that is massively important. But I don't think that will ever change, unfortunately. I mean, other countries do it well, but um, I don't think that will change. It's about how far down the line we've come now. I think we are in a, a position where it, it could be done, but very costly. Um, very costly, and- yeah the debt that we would be in would be crazy considering the uh, you know the size of our country and the economy that we have um and, and actually i think that when it comes to public ownership from speaking to people that um, that are within the tech industry and uh, within the you know the the uh, transport industry i think the idea of having free wi-fi um from my stance on it originally was what a stupid idea but actually, it's not really a bad idea because if we're all connected, it is more people using social media and and uh, other things to, you know, better communication. Um, and also the, the less fortunate people within society can access um, a crucial platform for communication and information, um, which will therefore help with education. Um, and, you know, it, and it will help benefit people that aren't as fortunate as me and you are right now um absolutely and that's come to light hasn't it with people learning from home i mean we were to work from home and people uh pupils learning from home with it with with the home education it's it was interesting to see and it was it was actually quite sad that some families couldn't afford the laptop and didn't have the internet to to be able to do that or be able to participate and obviously that brought it to light a little bit more so you're absolutely right when it comes to that something maybe we take for granted other people mm. don't have readily have access to that yeah definitely we, we are you know born into um you know a family or a household where you've got internet you've got a phone you know obviously i, I wasn't given a phone when i was a baby um i'm not saying that i was born <laughs> some, have some children are though right <laughs> no these days kids these days you know what i mean <laughs> taking selfies when they're born <laughs> hashtags. no um you know and i think there's, there's good and bad sides to you know public ownership of um you know like wi-fi and uh, internet services but kind of in terms of my views on it based on my knowledge of um space travel and nasa and spacex and other you know uh, companies and public owned space agencies from a, a technology perspective having public owned um, technology um, building agencies if you like such as nasa is great um, because NASA have achieved fantastic things. It is all paid for by the taxpayer, however. And when something goes wrong, that is taxpayer money being lost. And that can't be, that just can't be retrieved. And that is on the government at that point. Now, although NASA does work now very closely with private companies in the past, you saw the Apollo missions going wrong, the shuttle missions going wrong, that costed billions just for that one mistake. I mean, the rocket that they use costs you know maybe two billion and it's only in use for 15 minutes you know yeah that's what's crazy 
Do you know what I'm saying? And like with SpaceX, they are making rockets that are cheaper and also more advanced. And also the government doesn't have to worry about it going wrong because it's not on them. It's on the private company. So, and when people are like, yeah, but why can't we all just have one world, um, you know, space agency? It's because there is no competition. And competition is absolutely crucial to technological advancement and, um, you know, and, and for the creation of new technologies. And I, I think that's, what, that's the key thing. That competition helps to draw... Um, you look at sort of NASA or something like that then during the Cold War and, um, and with against the Russians that was really pushing that space race and mm. that technology done through that really ended up pushing pushing that through so again I mean it's I think it's important to drive healthy competition to drive competition with with companies and I think that does push technology I mean the greatest technological advances really is when we've been in war times really war times are against people because we're that competitive edge is really helping to advance technology it's crazy what we're doing i don't think we would be where we were if it wasn't for that space race you know we're doing against the russians in the cold we made a lot of technological advances mm. if we were just one global organization one space organization would we have made the advances with that without the competition maybe but maybe not because obviously that driving force of having a competitor makes you want to be better and when you've mm. got no competition why where is the need to be better so i'm all for competition all for having driving that driving force behind it of course and we all we all have different views on how space uh, should be traveled and how technology should be used you know for, for me i think that the moon should be used as a uh, a refueling depot to get anywhere else in the world uh, you know in the solar system um obviously it won't be owned by like texaco or bp hopefully <laughs> um you know and we won't have to pay all those crazy prices to fly over uh, but some people think that we should have like a just one giant mothership, like a big space station uh, in, you know, it, uh, surrounding Mars or whatever, where people just live in there and have their own ecosystem and crazy stuff. I don't think that could be done, but that's what people say about many things. Um, I, I think when it comes to public ownership, I think there is really good sides to it, because obviously, as you say, the NHS, crucial part of Britain and a very, very... Um, you know, big part of our country and, and something that I'm very, very proud of and, uh, and, and thankful to all our staff at the NHS and volunteers who are helping out at the moment and, and have been for since it started. And, um, but you know, when it comes to public ownership, yeah, there's, when you're privatising industries, it creates that competition between companies to become better. You know, you've got Boeing and Airbus in the aerospace industry you know, you might have PlayStation X and Xbox, um, go PlayStation, by the way, um, in, the, uh, <laughs> in the, you know, the console industry, the gaming industry. Um, so with privatization, you have this um, huge boost of research and development money without there being the heavy consequences that the government might have to, um, to, to have. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm all for privatisation of certain industries and the majority of industries, but there does have to be regulations in place. I think that companies um, such as Apple, such as Google, um, you know, such as, uh, you know, Tesla or or any any company, in fact, um, any of these big wealthy companies, Amazon as well, um, should pay 
uh, you know, more taxes. And in specific, actually, the owners. Um, you know, I know that some billionaires are, are reluctant to pay taxes, like James Dyson. Why does he care about the taxes he's paying, for God's sake? You know, I just I just don't understand that, you know. Do you know when when you've got so much money that you don't you don't know what to do with? Why why do you need to keep that amount of money? It's like Jeff Bezos, the amount he he has billions and billions and billions. I'm just thinking, does any one person need that amount of money? And if that money was just reinvested a little bit, the amount that could help with in developing countries within the NHS, for example, and it's almost peanuts to them. And I'm all for capitalism i'm all for people to try and make the most money and to be better and to strive and to and to earn that money potential but it does come to a point where it becomes obscene the mm. amount of money people have compared to others and i just i don't know for me if i got that amount i don't think i'd be comfortable having that amount of money and seeing other people suffer um although you know you'd want to earn it i just it wouldn't sit comfortable with me i don't think no 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 and i, I don't know how he is comfortable if he's comfortable <laughs> i know, I don't right? know. He, he might be uh, I'm sure he. I'm sure he probably is. I'm sure um, he is in his mansion and his many cars. I'm pretty sure he's probably quite comfortable. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> one one hundred percent. I think. I think that, you know, he might have a charity, or a lot of these billionaires have a charity, um, you know, and they do some great things. And I will say, Bill Gates does great things with his, uh, mm -hmm. you know, his his charity to help with, um, you know, disease prevention. So I've just made loads of people go absolutely crazy. By the way because they're going to be telling me about microchips and, uh, you know, it's all a farce made by the Illuminati. Um, <laughs> oh, don't stop. My, my friends at work, so we were speaking about it. Now, some of them are really on the conspiracy theory about the vaccine and about control and Bill Gates and, and his investment in that and the microchips. It's uh, it, all, all those, it's like an internet meme, right? I've heard people say it. And these are not, these are, you know, people I thought wouldn't think like that, but yeah that's, that's a different story though right <laughs> it's, it, it makes me um it makes me upset to think that some family members have been um i would almost say they've been uh, brainwashed into believing this this stuff it's not true and there'll be people saying yeah but i've got this evidence it's just a link to some really dodgy screenshot or telegram message i don't care it's not true you cannot provide me the the years and the the uh, the PhDs and the uh, you know you can't get the information that these scientists have worked on there for their whole lives. Mm -hmm. You cannot give to me in a single paragraph on Facebook. You cannot ever. But that that's the crazy thing, right? Because I'm all for the internet and, and social media, and I think we're we're more connected than ever. I mean, you can go down a debate of mental health and the effects on that, but that, that's that's something else. But what I think is, you know, with the power of the internet. I think people with extreme views can find their view somewhere on the internet. And I think that validates what they think. And the spread of misinformation, I know we take to say about Trump and fake news, but there is a lot of spread of misinformation. Mm. And I think that's a problem. I do think that's a problem because you would have seen it and I've seen it where people are sharing articles, maybe about the vaccination, about coronavirus, and it's all a farce. And there's obviously no sort of regulation sometimes and people read that and believe it. And I think it's quite dangerous, to be honest. And I think when you look at like Twitter and Facebook, some of the things I see or the rumours that you see is is incredible, really. I think, just think it's quite dangerous sometimes because people, unfortunately, and I don't blame them, will 
believe what they read rather than do a tiny bit of research. Because if you do a little bit of research and do a little bit of digging, you'll find the right answers. Yeah, you'll yeah. Find yeah. The right answers. But if you're fed that all the time, it's almost like indoctrination, isn't it? You keep seeing it, you keep reading it, you kind of start to believe it, right? Um, and I think that is one of the downsides of social media. But like you said, especially when it comes to the vaccinations and what we've been doing with, with COVID, these are intelligent people who've studied this their whole lives. And yeah. you're going, as a joke, Karen on Facebook's opinion is, is more valid than Chris Whitty, for example. You know, where's the foundation of your opinion? This guy's backing up with science, facts, research. Um, and it's hard to go against that, to be honest. I know some people will and they'll have their own opinions. But for me, you know, these, these people know a hell of a lot more than I will ever know when it comes to this. So yeah. I have to put trust in those people. You Maybe do. misguided, people might argue, but, you know, they're well, the experts. You know, you can call me a sheep all you want because I've been called it loads of times and I've even been blocked by people. Um, people who I've offered to come on the podcast, by the way, I've said to them, you've got a platform here. I'm more than happy to talk to you and uh, give my honest opinion. Um, you know, obviously they'll probably click leave as soon as I do. Um, <laughs> but these, But these people are, for me, you know, just they're nice people do you know i'm sure they're really nice people but they just don't they don't have any logic you know there, there is not even an ounce of thought process into this somebody has told them something and they've gone wow tell me more it must be true if you're calling me a sheep for believing in science but you are the one that is literally being brainwashed and just believing anything that anyone says the, the, the word doesn't make any sense it is the other way around you know. It really doesn't. And what's a, what, what, what really fascinates me with going off topic a little bit is flat earthers. I just can't believe in this day and age that there's people. I, I truly believe sometimes they're just doing it to almost troll people. But I think some of them are. But some do truly believe it. And that was this big conspiracy, even though there's pictures of, from space. And you can see the curvature of the Earth anyway, sometimes when you're high up in altitude on a plane. And mm. just to go against that. And they've done tests and they've proven it it was science and logic and they've been there and they still disagree i'm just thinking there's no there's no hope with some people you'll give them the evidence and the facts and they still will believe what they want to believe and i, I think that for me that's crazy to be honest it's absolutely mental i i, I, I mental. can't believe that people are really i mean maybe we should blame um the education system for this i don't know what who is the who <laughs> is to blame for this you know why are these people doing things like this and also like I saw that there was a poll done and it showed that loads of people in America didn't believe Auschwitz was real or didn't know what it was. That's shocking. Is that, I mean, I don't know what's going on here, but like it is, you know, one of the largest genocides in history, um, you know, of which millions, you know, apparently minimum 6 million people died. And, you know, at maximum, some have estimated 18 million. So, and for them to not even know, um, because either because they've been told on Facebook that it's not real or that it was fake, is crazy. And, um, and I just, my only message to people that spread information that says Auschwitz isn't real or any sort of misinformation is, you are causing severe damage to somebody because they are, most of the time, that people that believe in these things tend to be more vulnerable. And, you know, people are taking advantage of vulnerable people, um, you know, people that might either be lonely or or maybe they are unsure or scared. 
and people are taking you know advantage of these people so all i would say is if you're trying to manipulate people into believing a, a fake you know um ideology or or something that you've read that isn't true and non-evidence backed shame on you really you're you're a bad person you know i'd say a lot worse if this uh, podcast was not mark's family friendly but you're a bad person you're a bad person you know and you're right but like i said going back to it i think when people have these views you know before the rise of social media you might have been the outcast within sort of your group or your school for example if you believe a certain thing but now because you can go on the internet and no matter how crazy your opinion is or what you believe you're more likely to find somebody who has that opinion. And again, that validates what you're thinking. So although I'm a big fan of the internet and the power it has, there's some downsides to it. I think there is. Um, but like you said, I, I, what I would say to people is always do a little bit of research. Don't take things on, on face value. I mean, even I believe things and even I always look at the other side and I think it's good to have that. And I sound like a preaching here a little bit, but it's good to have that critical thinking really just to see the other side or understand that. I mean, you don't have to agree, but then you can have that sort of balanced information because even major news networks, papers, they all have their own agenda, don't they? Mm. When we look at the, the papers, they all have their, I mean, my grandma, bless her, still reads the Daily Mail. She's read it for years. And we know her opinion on a Daily Mail, right-wing paper, very um, negative, have bad things to say, sometimes slightly racist, uh, in my opinion. Um, but she reads that, and that's her main source of news. So sometimes she has a warped view of what, what's going on, because that's all she's reading, right? If she read maybe something else or had access to it, you get a more well-rounded opinion. But I think it's what you're exposed to as well, the information you're exposed to. And then, again, having that reinforcement from other people. Um, and, and I think that's how it spreads, and that's how misinformation spreads. And I think some people like to be different. Some people like to have a different opinion. I think they want to go against the grain of the of the majority. Oh yeah. Even yeah. if it's far fetched and strange, they just like to be that sort of person. And you know what I mean by that? They just like to be not difficult, but different. Different. I think they want to be. They want to be uh, the opposite for the sake of it. For the sake of it, yeah. You know, not because it's actually logical to do so. Or and by the way, we're, we're not saying don't have an opinion. If you genuinely no, 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 believe no. that Auschwitz isn't real, um, obviously that's complete nonsense but your opinion whatever um you know <laughs> when you think about the vaccine and stuff if you don't believe that works then that's your opinion whatever don't have it because i know for a fact that whenever uh, somebody else gets a call up for a vaccine that i know they will be having it and they're going to be really nice and healthy and going to be enjoying you know um well holidays or whatever and feel safe um whereas you will still be behind the keyboard um so <laughs> You know, that's but it's funny to say it's funny to say that to Jamie. Like you're right though, you can have an opinion. Like for me, freedom of speech is massively important, right? Yeah. Whether I agree with what you're saying or not is irrelevant, to be honest. I still think you should have the ability to say what you want, even if it's inflammatory, even if I think I really disagree, I think it's important for people to to have their opinion regardless of what I think. And it's you're right, it's it's, it's down to a personal, personal perspective as well. You know, I don't think I'm right, but what I believe in is right for me. Hmm. And, and, and in fact, that, that brings me to my, my next question. I think the last question there's a, you know, in terms of people's opinions on Scottish independence, um, obviously Scotland uh, or Nicola Sturgeon, should I say, uh, wants independence for Scotland. 
she wants Scotland to become an independent nation that is part of the EU um, and, you know, has a good trading relationship with the rest of the UK, uh, which will be England, Wales, and Northern Ireland, you know, and she wants to, you know, see a different Scotland. How do you feel about Scottish independence and also Nicola Sturgeon? <laughs> so uh, my granddad was Scottish. He's mm. no longer with us. So uh, proud, proud Scotsman. Um, I just don't, I, I'm not a fan of Nicola Sturgeon at all. In fact, I, I don't want to use the word despise, but it's quite close to that. I, I really don't like what she stands for and who she is. Uh, and even that debacle with Alex Salmon uh, and what happened with that as well. I think there's a bit of sinister uh, vibes behind her, but I, I think we're stronger together. And that, you know, especially coming from the back of Brexit, I just think we're stronger together. And especially as the union, I just don't think that's right for them personally. But it's easy for me to say that being being in England and English, but... I think, you know, we're better working together. I don't think independence is the way forward. Um, I think we do give a lot to Scotland um, when it comes from the money aspect. I mean, have they got the, the evolution of power as well? So it would be a real shame and something that we massively need to work on to not, I don't say, I want to say allow them because obviously if it comes to that choice, it's their choice. But I think we need to do everything we can to, to remain as one unit and I, I i don't think well to be fair if the if the country does have independence and they do join the european union maybe the subsidies that they would receive potentially could outweigh how how we would help them from from the english government perspective but i just don't think it's it's right i think we should be all as one and it would be a real shame if that was to happen i think it really would be a shame um Sturgeon's got a lot of, you know, a lot of followers up there. She's she's very popular. She's she's a she's a powerful, influential person. Unfortunately, because my thoughts on her is is not the same, and 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 the SNP. But you know, hopefully that isn't the case. But they really are pushing, aren't they, for independence? Yeah. Alex Salmon has um, started his party as well, um, which might divide the vote potentially. But again, I think they they're looking for they are looking for independence as well. So. Um, we'll see what happens, but I think we need to have better relationships with Scotland. I think Boris, unfortunately, whether you like him or not, he's not popular up there at all. I think he epitomises the English stereotype, you know, been to Eton, very privileged, has no idea of what's going on. And I remember when he went up to, to see them and he was shaking hands with Sturgeon and they were just booing him. They, they hate him. They are not a fan of him. Um, which is unfortunate. I mean, I, I get that he's he's probably epitomizes everything that they're against, I would say. But yeah, just to, to end on that, I think we need to do everything we can to build those relationships and not allow that to happen. I just don't think it's right. And it would be a massive shame. I think we're stronger together. 100%. You know, and, and, and as you said, you know, it is easy enough for us to say we live in England. Uh, I've never actually been to Scotland. I'd love to go to Scotland, though. Um, but I think the, the thing that I struggle to to speak about is the the public spending i've heard the public spending per person in scotland is much higher um, than that of england um much higher and also scotland is running if scotland was an independent nation it'd be running at a deficit of seven percent so seven percent is a it's quite large it's quite a, a big big deficit you know i think the uk is probably in about is it three four percent deficit 
um, yeah. you know, and, and and you look at the severe cuts that they're making to try and lower that, you know, um, and the massive, massive impact it's had on us, you know, by reducing spending on the NHS, massive effects, and we've seen it in the pandemic. Could you now imagine a Scotland that is running a 7% deficit, you know, and Nicola Sturgeon said, well, we could just pay it back by borrowing, but then you're accumulating more and more debt. So yeah, that's that's how it would just do. You'd get more and more. I think in I think with the independence that the subsidies from the European Union would help with that. I think in obviously we give a lot of money there that that would be replaced with that and have a little mm. bit more autonomy. Um, but you're right, they are running at a huge deficit, and they've only got so much natural gas up there. It only lasts for a while. I mean, they obviously do have other things. Don't get me wrong; they export quite a few different stuff. But you know. I said, again, go back to the point. I think we should, we're stronger together. And it's crazy that the, the amount we spend or the amount they spend per, per capita per person is crazy. And I still think they get free uh, university education in Scotland as well. Yeah. Yeah, if you're from Scotland, I'm pretty sure um, that you'll get that. Yeah, you get free tuition fees. Which, which, is, which is very good. It's very good. But we do have to pay for this. Um, and I think in an independent Scotland where you've got free healthcare, free education, free universities, and it sounds absolutely great, but where's the money coming from? And I know they have the natural resources as we mentioned, but if Sturgeon is committed to her climate goals as well, then how on earth are you meant to sell oil, which I can imagine will be one of their biggest exports alongside, uh, you know, natural gas and, uh, and maybe fish and, you know, different types of uh, things in the agriculture sector sector. How on earth are you going to meet those climate goals? Agriculture is a massive polluter. Um, you know, natural gas and oil is a massive polluter. Um, how are you going to meet these goals? Run at a 7% deficit, you know, and also not no longer have the NHS um, there in your country. How are you going to do that? Um, and I know that there is this, this idea, yeah, we'll just borrow it. But that's like anything. I could say I want to go and buy a brand new car. I'll just borrow the money for it. Your problems yeah. don't just go away. You know, that does have to be repaid, you know, and it and will this have could be my. And you're right. And this could be my slightly ignorant view to it, but it's almost that that drive for independence is more important than anything else. That's how it comes across anyway. When, when we hear the rhetoric and when we hear them talk, especially from the S&P standpoint, is that is their major priority above anything else and you're right sometimes and they would have obviously looked at it and what, what the figures are like but I still think they're so hell-bent on getting independence that they might lose sight of of that and what I would hate for them to happen is them to leave the union and be in a worse place mm. than they were when they were with us and have that regret I mean hopefully we don't have that with Brexit um because it's happened now whether you like it or not um hopefully we don't look back and go that was a really poor decision and that would still be okay and i i believe and it's like i said it's easy for me to say that if they did have independence that they, they would live to regret it mm. well i suppose this is all something that we'll have to wait and see and i'm not even going to say you know stay tuned till after the break and we'll find out what the results are um <laughs> it's all to come uh, all the things that we've spoken about you know let us know what you think uh, drop me a message, you know, message the uh, Batball podcast at gmail.com. Haven't used the email in a while. Um, you know, drop us a message on Facebook. We don't really use Instagram anymore. So try and message us on Facebook. 
um, you know, get in contact with us. Let us know what you think about that chat. And uh, and also, thank you for joining today, Shuki. Um, thank it's you. been absolutely great to have you join us. And um, and yeah, hopefully you can you know come back on again soon, and and maybe you'll have your own podcast by then. You know, let me know. <laughs> you, you never know. You take uh, podcast virginity, virginity is gone now. Um, <laughs> so hopefully I can dip my toe into a little bit more of it. Absolutely. But thank you for having me. It's been a great, it's been great. It's been absolutely fantastic. So thank you very much, everybody. Um, that was episode 48 there with Shuki. And um, definitely give us a share, you know, follow, like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. But definitely share it. Hope you enjoyed this episode and, uh, and thank you for all for listening. So thank you very much. Goodbye.